This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, good morning to you on this uh, wild and woolly day in Toronto with the uh, Caribbean Festival underway and the big parade coming up. I love coming in yeah. on a day like today. You can hear them when you come into the station, you know. Oh, yeah, just the music the is door. happening. Wow, they're they're cooking already. But the costumes. Yeah. Woo, walking down Lakeshore. <laughs> it's quite a festival right now. Colorful feathers, well, boys, girls, lots of skin. As I was telling you off air, yes. I don't know why I'm laughing so much because it hurts to laugh. Well, on camera, uh, I'm sure people can see the sling yeah. I've put on. You, That's right. Of. Let me explain. Now, I know I'm letting myself in for a lot, uh, to be the butt of a lot of jokes, yeah. but <laughs> 3 o'clock this morning, I had a nightmare, and I was fighting with some guy who was trying to kill, kill me, and it could have been listener. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I flew out of bed and landed on my shoulder, on my right shoulder. Ow. Oh, my Lord. On it the took floor. me about Yeah, oh, mm. hard hardwood floor. It took me about 15 minutes to finally peel myself off the floor and, and get back to bed. And, uh, yeah, it's just not cute, you know. No, and that's my writing hurting. arm. It's my drinking arm. Yeah, and, oh, my God. Arm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so you may want to get that checked out. I'm yeah. suggesting you immobilize it, but maybe a little trip to somewhere yeah. might be a good idea Just first. to make sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and Shoulders are important. Well, yeah. Mm. In case some folks are on their computer watching the show, as, as you can do, <laughs> yes. you'll notice that I am unshaven today. Well, it's uh, not because, that obvious. Oh, isn't it? Oh, no. well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, my right arm is what I shave, you know, with, and there but you it's go. But it's the look, right? It's that yeah. scruffy, just got out of bed look. Right. Oh, yeah. that's true, too. There okay. you are. So let the jokes begin. Shirley <laughs> threw me out of bed. That's that's the first one. Okay. <laughs> done and done. Now, my friend, here we are, uh, the Garden Show underway for this Saturday, and let me get the phone numbers on the Alrighty. air, okay? For Toronto area listeners, here you go, 416 Anywhere in the uh, province, as a matter of fact, you've got a toll-free number, 1-866-740-4740. Our mantra is, call early, call often, one question per call. And, uh, oh yeah, if you let, uh, please let Nate or uh, Sebastian know, whichever one answers the phone, I think it's Nate answering the phone today, uh, let him know if you're a first-time caller and... That's what you're going to hear when you uh, come to the... Get your garden wings. Garden See? wings. First time colors. It's the best. Yeah. All righty. Uh, what do you have? A whole slate of stuff there? Well, not really. Because many of the horticultural, most, if not all, societies oh. take the summer off. Yeah. So no meetings in the summer. It's all, you know, plant mm-hmm. sales in the spring, garden tours in the early summer. Right. And yeah. then it's, you know, holidays or off to the cottage or mm-hmm. whatever. Which I imagine quite a few people are... At cottages today, right. despite the cool late weekend in the forecast, I hear it's 13 degrees in Thunder right. Bay right now. It's a little chilly. Uh, as we speak, I just dawned on me to say a shout out to Joan Love, yes, who sent you some wonderful chocolates. Uh, you just trying to fatten me up. I uh, know no, you. No, but I'm telling you, so they're the best. I've got to take you to Joan's place. I've never 
seen a garden like it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Really? It really, oh, beautiful. In Newmarket. So yeah. she's not only an amazing gardener, uh, but she's an amazing... Yeah. Uh, I think it's Aurora, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, is that... Uh, well, I, now, I'm, now I'm confused. But Joan Love yeah. bakes amazing chocolate oh, almond bark Lord. for the love yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. So great. you can check her on Google and shop. Can you shop? Uh, like, does she ship? I'm... Uh, I'm pretty sure she does. Well, we'll look. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's up. Anyway. Um, yeah, so not a lot to announce, but I thought we, we do have some callers lined up, so we'll get to our callers right away. If we get a little break in between callers, mm-hmm. I'd like to report and tell you a little bit about the farm I toured when I was in Whitehorse. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Last week, week before mm-hmm. last. Uh, it was quite interesting, and it's quite an interesting farm, quite an interesting operation. We just don't think of agriculture in a big way yeah. when we think of the far north, and yet... Obviously, the best way to get fresh, you know, grow mm-hmm. local, eat local. So I'd like to talk a little bit about what they grow and how they grow it and who uses it and, you know, just sort of the, the process of, of the way agriculture works when you get into small populations and big territories. Right you are. Okay. Well, as you indicated, we do have callers online waiting, so we'll get to them momentarily here on Zoomer Radio, the garden show from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, and Charlie is doing a wonderful job turning the mic on and off. And I, so now it's I on. I love buttons. I love <laughs> pressing buttons. I'm well, very happy. A superb job. Uh, <laughs> Dorothy, you. welcome to the show. Just around the corner here in Toronto. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I was given a plant called, I believe, cal- something like calcium. Uh, what does it look like? It uh, has very pretty uh, bright wine and white flowers on it. Okay. And it was, it's in, you, you were given that's in a pot. Yes. Are they, what do the flowers look like? They're like a daisy-like flower, or are they, the flowers are more like a, a little, like a little pot? type of thing. Anyway, I was told I was supposed to water it from the bottom. Okay. Well, the flowers sort of dried out, I guess, and they dripped over to the sides. Mm-hmm. So I set them in, in water mm-hmm. for about an, an hour, mm-hmm. and they didn't seem to come up again. Mm-hmm. And when I tested the, the earth, mm-hmm. the earth from the, my fingers was absolutely dry, so the water didn't get up that far. So you double-checked that there are drainage holes in the pot, and you took yeah, the pot... Yeah, there were five drainage holes. It's plastic. Mm-hmm. And you took the pot out of a pot cover, stuck the whole thing into a sink of water? Is that what you did, or a saucer of water? Yes, there's in the saucer of water. And the water didn't disappear? It stayed in the saucer? Yes. Hmm, something strange going on there. So the best thing to do is water into the top, just yeah. carefully, not getting the plant wet. If you've well, got, I tried that. Uh-huh. It still didn't come, the flowers still didn't come up. No, well, flowers, once they collapse, do not always stand back up. And, and leaves sometimes, when mm-hmm. they collapse, do not come back either. It depends on the plant. That's a very specific physiological response, depending on the plant. Yeah. And since I'm not absolutely positive about what plant you have... What I would suggest you do is water from the top after you feel the soil. Make sure the soil is on the dry side. So as long as it's feeling moist on the surface, don't water. But you'll get to a point where the sponginess is less and less and the surface starts to feel dry. Then water carefully into the top. In the meantime, just get out a pair of scissors and cut off those flowers. 
put the plants in a sunny place and hope more flowers will form. It, wow. it, it's a challenge. Once flowers go, often they're gone. Now your challenge is to get new ones to grow. Yeah. Well, when I formed the florist, mm-hmm. who it was brought from, mm-hmm. they said, well, we, we can't replace it now because we don't have any until Christmas time. Hmm. So what I want to know is how can I make this plant come back up again? Right. So I, what I've just told you is the best thing I can figure to tell you because I don't actually know what plant you have. <laughs> I think, yeah, see, look at your screen there, Frank. Mm-hmm. See that plant? Oh, yeah. So it's called Calciolaria. Is that what it is perhaps that you've got? Mm-hmm. Look, It's also commonly known as pocketbook plant. Very unusual flowers, though. They're like little... Little pods, yeah, but yeah. they're full of air. They That's why they look call po- almost like mushrooms. With uh, well, well, you know what? If you imagine yeah. that flower on its side, it's like a little pocketbook. It's like mm-hmm. a little satchel. It's empty. It's just like a, um, a oh, little. Oh yeah, you I could see what you mean. Put yeah. things in it, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're kind of cute. If that's where the calceolaria. So, Dorothy, that's my best suggestion. Otherwise, um, compost and go back to that florist around Christmas time and pick up another one. Start okay. again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Dorothy. We have to kind of move along here. I think we've been, or at least Charlie has offered what she can based on the description given. Out to Pickering to say hi to Josephine. Good morning, Josephine. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning. That's good. I'm, you know, Charlie, I've got a question for you that they couldn't answer for me two weeks ago. Now, you have answered it in the past. It has to do with the formula for the hydrangea. I have a pink, I have a blue hydrangea that is light pink and mauve, mm-hmm. and I have another hydrangea that is uh, on another plant that the one flower is 10 inches in, dis- uh, in diameter. Mm-hmm. However, even the little white one that I put in is turning pink. Mm-hmm. What's the formula? Okay, so the one with the 10-inch diameter flower, what color is that? That's white, right? No, that one there is a huge, uh, brilliant pink. And is that a fairly new hydrangea? No, that one's not new. The white one is new, and it's turning pink. Uh, Okay, so what, okay, the color, hydrangeas are kind of interesting because the flowers will indicate the pH of your soil. Right. Now, not all hydrangeas turn color, number one. So, obviously, what you are, the soil you're gardening in is what we would call an alkaline soil, which is why you're getting the pink shades in your hydrangea. Yeah, it's on the north side of the house, right in back of the house, and they love it there. Yeah. But they're all pink. Yep. And it's just, you're in a clay based soil, which is our natural soils, also a limestone based soil, which again is our southern Ontario natural soils. So, they do tend to be on the alkaline side. So if you think of the pH scale, it goes from 0 to 14. 7 is right in the middle. 7 is neutral. Anything between 0 and 7 is considered acidic when we measure the pH. And anything between 7 and 14 is considered alkaline. Again, if we measure the pH. Now, back in grades 6 and 7, we did the litmus paper test to measure pH on things like, you know, potatoes and stuff. And you got the blue and the pink litmus paper, which is exactly what your hydrangea is acting like, litmus paper. So if you want to get more blue shades, blue tones into your pink hydrangeas, you need to lower your pH. And you can do that uh, quickly with something called soil acidifier. 
It is a sulfur-based product. There oh, are instructions. Yeah, there's instructions on the box. You will likely get it at any good garden center. So if you've probably got a Sheridan's not that far from where you are in Pickering or... Uh, there's Vandermeer. Vandermeer's, exactly. They'll have it for sure. So you're looking for soil acidifier. They, they might say, well, we don't have that, but we have aluminum sulfate. Aluminum sulfate. Either way, it's a sulfur-based product. It's going to lower your pH. But just as an addendum to all that, you, it's very hard to control pH permanently. You can do temporary changes, but your pH of your soil will t- typically always revert back to its natural unless you stay right on top of it. And you want to be careful when you're fooling around with pH in, a, in the soil. So make sure you've got a pH tester or meter. So when you're picking up the soil acidifier, pick up a pH meter or a pH test kit. And then you can be a little chemist and you can oh, go out there every Every, every mm-hmm. month or so, starting in the spring, right through to the fall, and just test your pH. You don't want to go too low. You'll make the soil very, very unhealthy for the plants. Because all the other nutrients, their availability is tied to pH. What about the white? The white one is probably going to stay white because it's that form of a hydrangea. Some hydrangeas, you cannot change colors. It's you just... want to know something? It's turned pink. Oh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that it's yeah. Yeah, it sh- turning out, pink. Uh, it looked like it was going to be, it's the newest one, and it's the small white one. And I spoke to you before yeah. about it. It was a girlfriend of mine, and it, they, evidently it was bred in a, high, in a greenhouse. Oh, right. It's a florist. Most likely yeah. it wouldn't uh, take, it yeah. has taken. Good, yeah. turned from white. I know, that's great. The pink's starting to come through. You know what, but the, the pink could be pH, could be stress, could be cool weather. You know, a lot of the hydrangeas start turning pink when the weather gets a little chilly. So hydrangeas are a lot of fun. There's no question. Well, uh, my so, one plant has 35 blooms on it. Wow, good job. Good for you. Well, you good track you. it because you've got some good hydrangea stories mm-hmm. going on there. Journal, journal, journal. Okay. okay. <laughs> Keep track of all okay. that. Have a good weekend. Thank, Thank you, you, Josephine. You too. You too. We've got lots more callers to get to, as a matter of fact. Uh, waiting online. In fact, a little bit later on, we're going to be welcoming a first-time caller. But we have some messages we want to pass along first here from The Garden Show. On Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, here we go again, maybe just around the corner here in Toronto. Gloria online, do have a word with you? Good morning, Gloria. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, good morning. Morning. Good morning. I have a little problem here. Mm-hmm. I have pots on my, on my patio, a few pots, and I've had the little bugs. They're little specks, white things. Somebody told me they could be a, aphids or something. Aphids. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's them or not. But anyhow, they've really ruined a lot of my plants. So I'm kind of digging out or getting rid of those plants. But I want to use the same pots and soil mm-hmm. next year because it's a hassle mm-hmm. doing all that. Do they survive in the soil over winter? Not if that soil is left outside in the pots. Oh, okay. Is that what you normally do is leave leave the pots outside on the patio? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, and if they're breakable pots, of course, you know, clay pots or ceramic pots, just lay them on their side and then they won't break. But because uh, otherwise, when they sit upright, the snow and the rain falls into the soil. When it freezes, it expands and they can crack the pots. But uh-huh. no, you're probably fine. When you say that the plants have been given a hard time, are, they, are there holes in the plants? Or are the leaves all curled up? Or, or well, what the, are you seeing? The, the morning glories are curling up. Mm-hmm. The petunias just 
packed it in and said goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just all kinds of var- various. Some plants are doing better, mm-hmm. but really, it it kind of spread from one plant to the ne- one pot to the next. I I think I brought them in with my pansies. Pansy just died within like a week, and then all of a sudden, other things, yeah, spread and spread. Well, very, it's a very common insect. Aphids, A P H I D as in Dobbin S. Aphids. Uh-huh. They're very commonly found on on new growth, so new succulent, water filled oh. growth. So, of course, this summer, being the summer of a lot of water, we have a lot of water-filled plants and we have a lot of happy aphids sucking away. Because basically what they do is their mouth is like a straw and they stick their little straw mouth right through the tissue Uh of the the epidermis of the leaf or the bud or whatever. And then they just suck nectar and they're just happy, happy. And they blow up into little balloons and their legs don't even, can't even touch (laughs) down and their legs wave out. Uh They're very funny to look at. And so, and ants will actually move them around. So sometimes aphids will move themselves around and other times ants who are very clever insects will pick up an aphid and move it to another plant. And, uh, Ants in the balcony. So I, I, no. I, I had a, like a tall plant, that, like say the morning glories, mm-hmm. and then I had some smaller pots underneath. Do they drop down? They can. They can drop. They can cl- um, climb, but they can also grow wings and fly. So oh. aphids are pretty. Uh, um, what's the word? Um, Adaptable. Exactly, adaptable. They can handle. If there's good something good to eat, they'll figure out how to get it. So it's probably kill them. Well, you know what? Something as simple as Safer's soap, or Bug Be Gone, or any of this, those gentle insecticides that are available at any garden center. Follow the instructions. The only important thing to remember is you've got to contact that. That little bug with that spray, so it's a thorough spray. Might be underneath the leaf as well. Exactly, or Mm. right, you know, in the cracks and crannies. So you got to spray very thoroughly, and you have to not do that when it's a hot, sunny day. You do any spraying early in the day or late in the day. Pretty well guaranteed we're not going to have that problem. Today would be a good day to spray (laughs) if you had some bugs you wanted to kill. You could spray just about any time. Well, actually, yesterday I was on a job, and I Mm -hmm. was spraying some beech trees with something called End All, and it was... Would have been great, except 10 minutes after I sprayed, it poured rain. So it probably all got washed off. Hopefully the insects got washed off with the rain as well. Okay, Gloria, thank you very much for calling. Thanks for calling, yeah. Nice to hear from you on this uh, Saturday. And uh, it's out to Mississauga. I think it's our old friend John I think it is, too. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. I'm glad you enjoyed your trip to Whitehorse. I did. I've been there. It's lovely. It sure is. Um... Charlie, this question this time is about my uh, my lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, not big part, but especially my boulevard. I've changed uh, part of the boulevard, maybe I say six feet by around two feet. Mm-hmm. Every year, just about. Mm-hmm. Every year, I just put a new sod, a new piece. Really? And I did that with my son's lawn, too. Uh-huh. And I went to Home Depot, so in other words, it's... But anyhow, <laughs> and now it's yellow. Okay, you know... I, Okay, so I hear you, and congratulations for to, to even try to make boulevards, those ugly, ugly, just inhospitable for any plant growth, look yeah. nice. Mm. Because you're right, between the salt in the winter and the fumes and the pollution and the 
very poor soil that typically is in the boulevards. It's very hard. Yeah, and hats off, too, to the people who take the time mm-hmm. and uh, well, due diligence to, honest, to water to trees. Uh, it's, to me, it's part of my, uh, of my lawn. It's, I agree. It's not just, no, you know, it's not, it's not the government that I'll take care of it, you know what I mean? Oh, of course. Um, it's right so, there, right in front of your house, across yeah. the sidewalk. I get it. But, but sometimes people are just, I find, so negligent with that little chunk of land and, you oh, know, dogs right. Right. peeing and, around me. you know, it's, it's not pretty. So, what, okay, so you've tried, like you said, multi-times fresh sod uh-huh. and you're having poor experience. Yeah. Uh, it's probably uh, just a, um, an example of the poor quality of the soil that you're trying to grow on. And, of course, you've wa- – well, not this year. You probably didn't even need to water that fresh sod, and yet it's still shriveled up and died. Probably there's a salt buildup. There could even be a certain amount of heavy metal buildup in that soil because of where it's located. Um, it's, a, it's a hard spot to keep it healthy. Very. So what do you do? Well, you could dig out this fall uh, if you wanted. You know, go down a couple inches. Dig out your dead sod. Dig out that cup first top few inches of topsoil. You might want to eliminate that off the property rather than spread it around and then get some, yourself some good quality triple mix, compost, mm-hmm. anything that you know is going to provide some good organic material. And then again, this fall, and maybe not buying at Home Depot, maybe going somewhere else for some really fresh sod. Well, to be honest with you, Charlie, when, before I put this, uh, you know, the last couple miles, it was around, I think, around May or so when mm-hmm. I did it. Um, I put, I mixed um, a couple bags of soil, maybe three, four bags of soil, and mm-hmm. some peat moss. Mm-hmm. And I put, you know, starter fertilizer underneath mm-hmm. it. It, it, was, it was fine for maybe f- a, a while, mm-hmm. right? But now, you know, I'm wondering if I have grabs on that area, but even if I do, right? Mm-hmm. And, and my neighbor is fine. Uh, then the thing is, you you you're saying you're right. You're saying, for example, one time I've done exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a tree in front of uh, on the boulevard, obviously, mm-hmm. and and there's, the roots are unbelievable. Yes. In other words, if I put the rake, mm-hmm. I'm most probably I'll break the rake. Yeah. So in the great competition for water uh-huh. and nutrients, the tree is winning. The tree got, has been there longer. It's got yeah. more roots and it's more established. So your challenge is to baby that turf along until it can get some roots down, uh, counteracting what the tree is taking. So to really make then the other thing is like, OK, remember that sod is grown in sod farms and uh-huh. sod farms. If you've ever seen a sod farm are open, not a tree for as far as the eye can see. They don't have any competition. There's no competition and it's full sun. And then the sod cutters go in and they cut out the sod and roll it into rolls. We bring it to our home and we lay it under trees. Well, that sod has been growing in full sun, like, you know, 14 Mm -hmm. hours of direct sunlight every day, and Uh we put it in a situation where it's lucky to get two hours. And then we're surprised when it doesn't thrive. The grass that they're growing, the sod grass tends to be a full sun um, blend of grasses. Mm. So the other thing is just suck it up in terms of doing some grass seed. And there are some grass seed mixes that are called boulevard blends, and they're for people like well, you who are struggling. Sorry, Charlie, uh, you know, I don't want to keep interrupting. Mm. Because I bought, the, believe me, I, bought, I don't know what it, uh, I have it uh, in the garage. Mm. I bought uh, the best seed, like I, even the one, I bought two bags actually. Mm. One just seed, and I don't know, I think it's the best of the best, seriously, and 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 one of them, it's even with the fertilizer in it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I in, pro- probably and, and maybe in, in the end of August, on August, I'll try to sort of see if I can put some in that area. 
I would. Is that, I mean, is that a good idea? Well, seed is going to be your best chance just because you can get a seed that is designed for that circumstance. Uh-huh. So amount of sun, amount of shade, amount of traffic, you know, how many people are walking there, et cetera. So just get, and you're right, good quality grass seed is not inexpensive. So get a hold of a good grass seed, follow all the instructions, and if it still doesn't work, soil test. Okay, okay John? Yeah, John, we have to kind of move along here, my friend. Uh, thank you for calling, and uh, as always, nice to have you by here yeah. on the garden show hey you know what uh, you used to well you used to you have in recent times been up to Ennismore I have uh-huh. and well there's a young lady on the line right now mm-hmm. first time caller nice that's for Sharon good morning Sharon welcome Sharon hello Charlie what's going on what I was phoning you for mm-hmm. I, I know this is not a gardening question do you have any idea why there's no um, hummingbirds this year oh lack of hummingbirds I don't know if there's no hummingbirds. Um, I, I haven't seen any sort of recent information in terms of quantity of hummingbirds, but I've had a few in my yard just because I have Monarda that's blooming like crazy right now, which is those red, bright red tubular yeah. flowers. Mm-hmm. So I, I have seen a few in my garden this year. Well, uh, I know, like living here in Ennismore, different people have said they mm-hmm. haven't seen, seen like the quality of hummingbirds. I just wonder, was it the weather or? It could be. I mean, this has been a funny, certainly a very, very cool wet spring. We had a mild winter. I mean, we saw robins all winter. Yes. So it is possible maybe the hummingbirds went through so early. Because remember, many of the hummingbirds kind of pass through to go f- to the far north. Yes. Build their nests, have their babies, and then fly south before winter. So That's they right. should no. be on their way south now. Usually in August, we'll we'll sort of catch them on the way south. Because I know other years I couldn't even keep my you know my feeders filled. Oh wow! They'd be like gone in about two days. But I just huh. I'm a morning person, so I get mm. up really early. Yeah. But I just don't seem to see the hummingbirds that I did before. Okay, well, this is a really interesting question. You know what I would do if you're really interested to learn more? And there's very, very excellent um, information if you go to the Cornell. Well, just go to the Audubon Society, but through the Cornell University, there's the Audubon um, Lab there. Yes. And they have amazing information. They have web cameras on nests. They have, you know, all kinds of anecdotal information, um, lots of uh, statistics because they're data collectors. Yes. So you may find, I, I haven't looked lately on anything to do with hummingbirds, but you may find the answer to your question there. Okay. Now, something else. I was the lady that gave you the jam at our meeting. I know. Uh-huh. So I don't want you to give any more jam because Charlie, or... Frank's going to get too fat eating chocolates now. Like he's getting spoiled. Well, he brought me chocolates to fatten oh, okay. me up, and I brought him jam to fatten him up. So, you know, it's a, it's a give-take world here. Well, I'm glad you both enjoyed it. It was l- terrific. It was really terrific good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Soil. Thanks, okay, Sharon. Thanks so much. I hope Bye-bye. to see you again next year. Bye-bye. Yeah, all righty. Uh, after that little... Uh, Tasty thought. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, i got to move along here uh, very shortly to a break. Okay. Uh, I just want to remind folks of the phone numbers here at The Garden Show in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to go out east a little bit to say hi to Catherine in Bowmanville right after these words. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So in our imagination, we jumped into the family chariot and driven out uh, on the QEW, or at least uh, 401, pardon me, to Bowmanville. There's Catherine. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Good morning. 
I enjoy your show very much. Thank you. Even though I don't have a green thumb at all. <laughs> My question this morning is also about hydrangea. Mm-hmm. I, um, I planted three plants uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're, I don't even know the name of them. They're the kind that get really tall and really big and have tiny little petals. Hmm. And um, my question is, is there anything I can do to help them? It seems like once we've had two or three good rains, they're just drooping and hanging to the ground and so sad looking. And they get so heavy that they can't even seem to straighten themselves back up again, and they're shot for the year. I know. And they, that's the thing. The hydrangeas, there's been a lot of breeding going on and selecting for big flowers when it comes to hydrangeas. Well, what happens when you have really big flowers is you have very top-heavy plants. Yeah. And the the newest one out there that I know of, which is it's a pretty good hydrangea. It's called Invincible. So not non-invincible, like invincible, but it's B-A-L-L at the end, invincible. And each flower is uh, supposed to be the size of a soccer ball. So we're talking big flowers. Mm -hmm. Part of the shtick was the stems were selected for strength and stability, and they were going to hold those flowers up. But with you have a year like this year with so much moisture, just... There's no way. I have one in saturated. I have yeah. uh, one of these shrubs in my front garden, and there's no question the flowers are huge. But there's no way those stems can hold them up. And I've put um, some stakes and some strings and tried to sort of prop them up, and they're leaning all over the place. I've tried that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So some years you just can't win. It's it, you've got to remember it. We've got so much moisture inside the plants. They're very soft. If we had less rain and less moisture in the soil, the plants wouldn't be stretched. The the cells wouldn't be so full of moisture. And so the the plants would all be shorter and tougher as a result. So it's just one of those things. It's it's one of those wet years. We can't really win. I will suggest, though, next spring when you're dealing with those hydrangeas, we always say in the spring, look and see what's alive and look and see what's dead. Cut out all the dead. I would say go even further than that. I'd say cut right down. Cut those hydrangeas right down so they're about four inches tall from the ground in the spring, even if you're cutting off some green when you're doing that. So oh, okay. Cut them right down so if they start shorter, they will not get as tall. I wondered about that. So I do that in the spring. I don't do that in the fall. I leave the I leave them for the winter because I think the flowers are beautiful in the winter. You know, okay. they get that bronzy, and they, they sometimes they'll blow off and blow around in the snow. But they just they look really pretty in the winter. I just leave them and then do all my pruning in the spring. Now, would it hurt to trim some of them off in the fall? I have a husband who's very neat and tidy about his yard. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, you know what? You get him to give me a call. (laughs) I will. Because I understand the neat and tidy, but it's not always a good thing to be so neat and tidy. The the earth needs to be replenished, and one of the ways it gets replenished is by not being so neat and tidy. You know, think of the forest, right? The leaves fall, the leaves sit on the ground all winter and make amazing leaf mulch. For the that feeds the trees, so we got to think of our gardens the same way. It is an ecosystem. You can't just go in there with your blower and blow everything out. All right, okay. all righty. Thank you very much, Catherine, <laughs> out in Bowmanville. And uh, gosh, we're uh, off now to Ajax. They're all in the Mike. Bless your heart for hanging on the line there. First time caller, Mike. Good Welcome to the show. Morning. Hey, good morning to you too. Yeah. Uh, probably a silly question, but nope. uh, the leaves seem to be leaving the trees way too early. Any particular trees that you're thinking of? Uh, I see a lot of 
black walnut and uh, and uh, and some maple, particularly around Ajax. Mm. And I'm seeing um, a lot of defoliated crab apples. And I was looking at a early defoliating birch yesterday. And you're right. It's um, what happens when when plants are stressed. They respond in different ways, and because the days are unfortunately getting shorter, unfortunately for us, but good for the trees, the days are getting shorter, the trees are preparing for winter, and if they're under undue stress, they will just um, expedite that process and go dormant even faster. So, What is the undue stress? Too much water. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's not too dry. It's nope. It's one extreme wet. or the other. Last year was too dry. This year it's so wet. And that saturated soil is great, but only to a point. Because remember, roots not only need water, but they also need air. There's a whole gas water interchange that happens between the particles in the soil. And when the yes. the little pores between the soil are constantly filled with moisture, then the roots start to suffer and we start to actually have rot. The roots will start to rot with all that moisture. So that's part of what's going on. So if you're in a clay soil, which I think Ajax is pretty well known for its clay, yes. uh, that's probably what's going on. But I wouldn't panic. Uh, this is this year's leaves, right? Next year's a whole new year and it's a whole new growing season. Whole new everything. Yeah. So, but everybody put all your fertilizers under lock and key. No more fertilizer. <laughs> put it away. Uh, except for lawns and vegetables, we can fertilize those, but nothing else because we just don't want to push new growth. Let the plants hunker down as they as they are naturally doing. Thank you very kindly. Okay, okay Mike. Thanks for calling. Don't be Bye. a stranger. You're That's always welcome right. Here on the You've garden got garden show. wings now. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and you are listening, my friends, to Zuma Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And we're going to be back to have a word with Diane in uh, Simcoe in just a couple of moments after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a fond good morning here to Diane but calling in. Yes, just, yes. Just before we go to Diane, yeah. you know what? We're just like ooing and aahing at some photos. So anybody who's got access to the internet right now, I'm telling you, go to your, your computer Google or type in Audubon, A-U-D as in dog, U-B-O-N, Audubon.org. Go to the homepage yeah. and you'll see uh, there's a big picture of a hummingbird beak. That's And the story is mites that travel on oh, hummingbirds right. on their beaks. Like they jump on and off the beaks because they're on the flowers and the hummingbirds come in. Anyway, if you just scroll through that, that's like there's a whole Some story. Some amazing photography. The photography really. is unbelievable. I have no idea how anybody took these photos, but <laughs> we're talking serious close-ups of a bunch of hummingbirds just like mind Blowing. Mind-boggling. There mm-hmm. you go. All right. That's well, the tip uh, for the day. All righty. That's it. Okay. Uh, Diane in Simcoe. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Morning, Diane. Hi. How are you this morning? Great. What's going on at your place? Well, uh, we have a problem with our zucchini plants. Mm-hmm. Every year they get the bore in them, but this year they got it a lot sooner than any other time. And I know what to look for when they do get it, but I don't know how to get rid of them. I'm not sure if you can get rid of them because the issue is when the bores are in the plant, you there's you have no access and you wouldn't want to use any kind of an insecticide that would kill the bores because then it's uh, what we call a systemic insecticide, which will do make the 
zucchinis poisonous to you as well as the boars. Your main thing is to prevent the boars. And as far as I know, the best way to do that, it's with um, floating row covers. Okay. Used early in the season. You can't keep them on once they start flowering because, of course, you won't get any pollination. You won't get any zucchinis if you've got those covers on for too long. So there's a fine line. But there is a good two to three week period between being planted and flower formation that you can do some prevention with from the borers. Okay. Right. Um, when I plant my zucchinis, I do put, um, I put them in the middle of the, of the bed. I mm. have raised beds. So mm-hmm. I put them in the middle of the bed, mm-hmm. and then I plant um, cucumber seeds around the outside. Mm-hmm. Now, would they have any effect on that, too, or...? Uh, not really. They're the exact same family. So any, typically any insect that's going to chow down on, um, uh, one is going to exactly like the other as well. And we certainly, you know, there are insects that cause all kinds of problems in cucumbers as well. What might work better. And, um, there are some, there's some great information about companion planting and, you know, using plants as decoys and using plants to defend garlic being one of the classics, any of the chive family, the onions, the leeks, great way, great plant to interplant just to scare other bugs away. And I love messing around with insects heads by, you know, (laughs) sticking a marigold here and a lavender there just because it's like they, it all smells so odd to them that they can't find what they're looking for and they go over to my neighbors and it works great. (laughs) Yeah, I plant uh, three zucchini plants every year and this year I had three zucchinis. Oh, yeah. And the plants are just done. Done, yeah. And usually we're eating zucchinis like every night. I know, one extreme or the other, eh? Yeah. Can't win sometimes. Yeah, so, okay, so think about a different plant around those zucchinis maybe next time. Okay. Thanks, right. Thanks Thank for your call. Have a great day. You, you too. You betcha. Uh, we do have time, I think, for one more call. I think here. we do, but okay, yeah. what's going on with our mics? Is it me or is it... I uh, don't know. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm just getting a reverb thing. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got to get my uh, bell ringing arm in shape here. Oh, excellent. Whoa. There Connie we go. Connie in Belgrave. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, Connie. Hi. Go ahead. I have uh, hollyhocks that grow around my deck and in my yard. Nice. And every year they come up beautiful green and lush, and then they get a netted mm-hmm. pattern on their leaves mm-hmm. and rust. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it's the that is the rust. Rust disease. Rust is a fungus. Um, lands on the leaves and. We get little orange spots, which is right. very clearly the rust, and then the the little uh, the tissue actually deteriorates, and the the it just the tissue falls out. So it looks like somebody shot a shotgun through the through the leaves, and it's the rust that is leaving those holes behind. So your question is, what can you do? Yes, nothing. What uh, the best recommendation is think about planting. I mean, if you've just kind of got a natural wild garden where things come up and go up and down on their own, then it'd be a little trickier. But if you had a garden where you kind of got your hollyhocks organized in a certain area, then plan for another plant to grow in front of the hollyhocks, but only grow, you know, maybe 10 inches tall. And the idea is that the hollyhock flowers will be up the top. But those ugly leaves will be covered by something growing in front. Okay. Okay. There's really, I mean, you would, technically you can prevent hollyhock uh, rust, but it's, you would quit your full-time job and stay home and be out there (laughs) monitoring weather and spraying and trying to make, you know, perfect conditions to avoid the rust. But it's all about prevention and that's early in the spring. Okay. Thanks, Connie. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for calling. A, don't be a stranger. Yep, coffee's always time on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, while we have a moment or two, yes. is that enough time to cover a little bit of material about where you visited up in the Yukon? Well, yeah, I just wanted to tell people a little bit about the Yukon Grain Farm. They don't mm-hmm. actually have a website. I, I took some great photos, though, and it's just, it's not what you would expect. You know, you think of the Yukon, there's, you know, mount, old, you know, sort of rounded mountains, but lots of rivers. And, of course, the rivers, after the glaciers, went through what was left behind mm-hmm. our rivers but there's lots of silt and actually quite good soil near the rivers. Well, you wouldn't normally think that, would I you? I know. You think it's all just gravel or tundra or mm-hmm. snow or polar bears, but no, it's not like that. There is actually a real summer when you get up into the Yukon, long, long days, but um, not many of them. So frost-free when we, you're in the Yukon, you're only talking maybe up to 100 days, if you're lucky, frost-free, more likely mm-hmm. down around 70, 75 days. So it was just interesting. I, I met Steve and Bonnie McKenzie Greaves. They are originally from Alberta, Farmers from the Lethbridge area mm-hmm. went up on a holiday, loved the Yukon, decided to try their hand at farming up there. And that was, um, gosh, about 15, 17 years ago. They now grow 60% of the potatoes that are sold through the entire Yukon territory. Wow. And when you see it, it's potatoes as far as the eye can see. And then there's cabbages as far as the eye can and see. And you wouldn't normally expect that. At no, least I wouldn't. I know. Yeah. And it's all hand sewn. It's hand, or sorry, it's not hand sewn. It's machine sewn, but it's hand weeded. Because mm-hmm. uh, they don't, they avoid chemicals as much as they can. They do have to. It's not 100% organic. But yeah, they, they, so, um, and watering is from the river, right? So they pump water in from the Yukon River just because they're close. And then, you know, old irrigation rolls right through. Mm-hmm. So cabbages, beets, carrots, um, and hascaps. We were there picking hascap berries as well. But they actually built, see, that's the next thing is, right, now you've got all these potatoes. You can't, they all ripen at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you've got like a 10-day window to, to do your harvest. But you can't sell them all right away. So they they built storage. So they've got controlled temperature storage to be able to wow, keep those potatoes yeah, yeah. for sale for you know up to four or five months. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I can't believe it, but we're out of time, my I friend. I know. Yeah. So you are off and running in a few hours? Well, yeah, I'll be back here from and 1 to 3.30. All sorts of good stuff happening. Meantime, I guess lunch. Breakfast is yes. on me. Yes. Thanks for that. Ah, Thanks, everybody, for all your good calls. <laughs> See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.